It's Tuesday, December 17, 2019, 84 days since the House launched the impeachment process. And this is Impeachment Today. Good morning, I'm Hayes Brown, reporter and editor at BuzzFeed News. We're about 24-ish hours out from the full House of Representatives debating articles of impeachment against President Trump, which mind-blowing what here we go i guess can't wait to hear what literally everyone has to say about this okay history week marches on here at your favorite daily impeachment podcast today we're talking to author and historian brenda wineapple about president andrew johnson and the first impeachment trial in u.s history spoilers it failed to remove him by one vote but before we get to all that let's catch up on what happened yesterday Things were relatively quiet on Monday as the House prepared for tomorrow's historic vote on articles of impeachment against President Trump. The House Judiciary Committee released a 650-page report on Trump's impeachment Sunday night. It's sort of a historical document laying out how we got the inquiry, what the constitutional grounds are for Trump's impeachment, and records of the votes taken by the committee. It also includes the Republicans on the committee's take that this is all a sham process meant to hurt the president. You know, for posterity. Meanwhile, moderate Democrats announced one by one that they had firmly made up their minds to vote for the Articles of Impeachment. Many of them come from Trump-supporting districts and had long resisted calls for impeachment until the whistleblower's complaint that first kicked off this process hit the news in September. The House Rules Committee will meet today to set up the impeachment debate. If that name isn't familiar, that's because most people really don't need to care that they exist. The House Rules Committee's job is to decide which bills reach the House floor, when, and what the rules are about it being debated and amended. That shouldn't take long, as the Democrats have a bajillion seats on this teensy little committee. And finally, CNN reported that Senate Republicans are starting to develop their argument for why they can't accept the Democrats' suggestion for how the impeachment trial should be run. And what they've come up with is a... kind of ridiculous. What the Republicans uh, I'm talking to are saying is essentially that there's no need to hear from these four individuals because that was actually the House's job. According to these Republicans, they say the House was the fact-finding body. That was the one that was supposed to hear from, get testimony from these four individuals. And it was the decision by the House Democrats not to go to court to try to enforce their subpoenas, to try to compel these people from coming forward. They made that calculation not to pursue that route and as a result, the Senate is left with what they have, which is the testimony from the existing witnesses, and there's no need for in a Senate trial to act like a body doing the fact finding. So you're going to hear that argument start to take place, take shape among Republicans as they push back against what Schumer is proposing. So if I've got this right, it's the House's fault that the president ordered his staff and cabinet members not to obey Congress, and they really should have sued the hell out of the totally innocent president in court to force those staffers to ignore the president's orders. Also, that's why we can't make those staffers testify now. Cool. And now, in an attempt to put a number to a feeling, we have today's reading from our nexometer. Well, I'm not a crook. On our scale of zero, normal day, normal White House, 10, Richard Nixon resigns, flies away in Marine One. This morning we're at a 7.9. Look, horse race aside, the whole who's winning, who's losing thing, history is about to be made. Presidents haven't been impeached very often in our country, so we definitely merit today's rating just on that factor alone. After the break, we talk to historian Brenda Wineapple about Andrew Johnson, the OG Trump. Stick around. 
She Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. We controlled the courts. We controlled absolutely everything. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. From my perspective, Bob was too good to be true. There's got to be something wrong with this. I wouldn't trust that guy. He looks like a little scumbag liar, stool pigeon. He looked like what he was, a rat. I can say with all certainty, I think he's a hero because he didn't have to do what he did, and he did it anyway. The moment I put the wire on the first time, my life was over. If it ever got out, they would kill me in a heartbeat. Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I'm Minnie Driver. And on my podcast, Mini Questions, I ask trailblazers across different disciplines the same seven questions. Questions about the inflection points in their life, what they like least about themselves, and what relationship has defined love for them. This season, I'm coming back with new trailblazers like Blondie vocalist Debbie Harry, journalist and television host Jeremy Clarkson, editor-in-chief of InStar magazine Laura Brown, and creative juggernaut Goldie. Join me as we continue this exploration on season two of Mini Questions, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right. History Week continues here at Impeachment Today with our segment, What a Fucking Time. In today's installment, we're going to be looking at the nation's first presidential impeachment when the House brought charges against President Andrew Johnson. And it may be a better comparison to Trump's impeachment than either Nixon or Clinton's. Joining us today via phone is historian Brenda Wineapple. She's the author of the book, The Impeachers, The Trial of Andrew Johnson and Dream of a Just Nation, which I highly recommend to all of y'all. Brenda, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. So Andrew Johnson was Abraham Lincoln's vice president who came to office after Lincoln was assassinated. And right away, he was nobody's idea of what a president should be. How did we get him on the ticket in the first place, though? Well, that's a good question. Johnson was on the ticket to balance the ticket. That's the kind of thing we hear about today. But it happened in 1864 because Abraham Lincoln, believe it or not, did not think he was going to be reelected. The war really hadn't turned for the Union specifically at that time. And Lincoln thought he might lose to McClellan. So he chose Andrew Johnson, a Democrat, that's the other party, and the senator, former senator from Tennessee, a Southerner, to balance that ticket. Now, Andrew Johnson, we should say, had been a very staunch unionist. He had fought for the union, and he basically had stood up, the only United States senator to stand up in the Senate and say that he was not for secession, that he denounced secession and his fellow Southern Democrats, which is, you know, very courageous and unusual 
in 1860. Right. But then, you know, he gets into office and everyone's like, oh, no, what have we done? And I was really struck when reading this book about the number of points of comparison between Johnson and Trump, especially in terms of behavior. I mean, it's not a one to one ratio, but wow, is it close. I know. It's amazing, really. I would be writing chapters, you know, when I was finishing up the book and I gave them to my husband and he would say, this is chilling. There's so many comparisons. I tried not to think about that, but you can't avoid the fact that Andrew Johnson, first of all, he loved rallies. He would love to go out on the stump. He sort of worked his crowd up into chants, calling for the execution of his enemies or his perceived enemies kind of like, you know, let them be hanged or let them, you know, lock them up. So there was that. There was a sense that he could rule by fiat and executive power all by himself. He denied the legitimacy of Congress. He would do end runs around Congress all of the time. He didn't take advice from his advisors. I mean, you can really go down the list. I mean, he'd been in office, unlike Trump. Yeah, unlike Trump, Johnson was a politician from basically day one, and he just worked his way up the ranks to president. But once he got there, he was so undisciplined that he would be prepared to go out there and give a speech, and people would implore him, please stick to the script. He did not stick to the script. Well, when it came for the impeachment trial, he wanted to go and speak in his own defense. And obviously his lawyers wouldn't let him do that. And if Trump wants to go and speak in the Senate, I don't think his lawyers are going to let him do that either because people can't be sure what these men would say. That's absolutely wild. So to jump back a little, though, there were definitely members of Congress who were ready to get rid of Johnson from you know, day one. What had them so riled up and what held them back at first from actually going through with it and impeaching him? Well, you have to remember, this is just after a war, and four million people who had been enslaved were now free. And the question was, what are you going to do with these people? Are you going to grant them civil rights? Johnson said no. He vetoed civil rights. Congress passed civil rights legislation over his veto. But because he was reconstructing the South along what we call today, and they called then white supremacist lines, these Congress people who were outraged by that, radical Republicans, they were called, wanted to pull the trigger on Johnson very quickly and get him out of office. They were held back by more moderates who said, let's see if we can do end runs around him. Let's see if we can make a deal. Let's not go to this court of last resort. So let's get to the actual things that Johnson was impeached over. And, you know, as weird as it is, it was mostly focused on a law that doesn't even exist today that prevented him from firing his secretary of war. Why was that law such a big deal for Congress? Well, it was a big deal, and you're absolutely right. It's called the Tenure of Office Act. So what they did is pass reconstruction laws that divided up the South into districts overseen by the military. And the reason the military was there is because Congress also passed a law that enfranchised black men, giving them the vote so they could have representation. But there was so much violence going on in the South. There was so much terrorism. There was so much slaughter. There was such a bloodbath that the military was necessary. And in charge of the military was the Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton. So Congress passed a law that protected Stanton from Johnson firing him. You know, the way today we might have 
President Trump firing X or Y or Z. Well, Johnson was prevented because this particular law that was seen as later as unconstitutional said, if you appoint someone with the advice and consent of the Senate, you can't fire that person without the Senate's approval. Well, Johnson couldn't have cared less. He wanted to get rid of Stanton. He couldn't stand the man because Stanton was standing up to him. We've heard of that before. So we fired him. Then Congress felt, the House of Representatives felt, we have no choice. Even the moderates came around and said, look, you, meaning the president, you violated a law. We passed this law. You just can't make up laws as you go you know, along. You know, you can't decide what you like and what you don't like. So in the end, they passed 11 articles against Johnson. Why so many? Yeah, well, <laughs> who really knows? Nine of them basically had to do with the Tenure of Office Act, which was in some sense a technicality. It was a legalism. It was he violated a law. But as we know today, you do not have to violate a law to be impeached. There are two articles of impeachment that have nothing to do with breaking the specific law. They have everything to do with abuse of power. It really ranged from Johnson's abuse of Congress, his insistence Congress had no authority if Southern states, white Southern states, weren't represented, his obstruction of the Military Reconstruction Acts, you know, that basically his overall denial and abuse of congressional authority and is turning back really the clock on the union victory. So we get an overwhelming support for those 11 articles in the House and we go to the trial Mm -hmm. portion. What was that like since they didn't have a lot of precedent to draw on, which is to say any precedent to draw on? (laughs) They had no precedent. I'm not even sure today what precedents will be drawn on because you can pick your precedent precedents, not your president. Well, I guess you can pick those too. But the fact of the matter is that the only thing that the Constitution says is that the Senate should have the power to try the impeachments and the chief justice will be the presiding officer. That's it. So how do you go about it? Do you call witnesses? How do you determine whether evidence is admissible? You see all those kinds of questions. You know, Who can vote? Senators with a conflict of interest, can they vote? These questions had to be or have to be hashed out very quickly. And in the Johnson impeachment trial, they were hashed out fairly soon because the House, you know, people who wanted Johnson removed, wanted a speedy trial where the other side, Johnson's lawyers, were trying to drag things out because they knew people would get bored. And how true that remains to an extent today, (laughs) where we have the House who wants a slightly longer trial, Trump who wants a very long trial, and Senate Republicans who want as short a trial as possible. So to skip to the end, they get to a vote, and after almost three months, Johnson somehow stays in office by one vote. One vote, only one vote. That's what's so amazing. One vote. It was very, very close. And there's reason to believe that that one vote, the vote that Kennedy or his ghostwriters thought of as a, you know, courageous act, you know, the vote of Edmund Ross of Kansas, that vote was what we call today quid pro quo. (laughs) In other words, Ross was going to get favors, maybe he even got money, who knows. But there were a lot of maneuverings going on behind the scenes, just as many as you can assume there will be today. So Johnson, you know, stays in office, not for very long. He loses re-election very shortly thereafter. But what do you think is the biggest takeaway from the trial portion, especially, that we should look at with Trump's impeachment? 
Well, forgetting the trial for one thing, one of the things is so interesting about the Johnson impeachment, like today, if the House votes for impeachment, was there was an election right around the corner. And it would be naive to say that that election coming up didn't have a role to play. Okay. Brenda, before we let you go, what's one thing besides, you know, your fantastic book that you think people should (laughs) read to get a real sense of both impeachment now and as it was in Johnson's time? Well, that's a good question. I don't really know the answer. The simple answer, and it's not that hard because I actually figured it out, is to take a look at the impeachment clause in the Constitution. Fair enough. (laughs) It spells everything out in language that everybody could understand. That is a great tip. And thank you so much for that and for this entire interview, Brenda. It's been great talking to you. And thank you so much. Oh, it was really my pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, y'all, we're going to use this time for a brief public service announcement. The House of Representatives is debating the articles of impeachment tomorrow. You should watch it. It's going to be super important for the country and for history. We'll give you all the details on Thursday, but holy shit, you should watch it for yourselves if you at all can. Thank you. This public service announcement has been brought to you by BuzzFeed News, iHeartRadio, and the Constitution of the United States of America. Okay, that is it for today. Tomorrow, we'll have Twitter's historian laureate Kevin Cruz to talk about what we should and should not take away from the tale of Richard Nixon. Now, a quick pitch for crass capitalism in the spirit of the holidays. There is Impeachment Today merch up for sale on shop.buzzfeednews.com. You know, if you're into that kind of thing. Be sure to subscribe to Impeachment Today on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go to hear my disembodied voice. And maybe leave a rating and a review. Also, tell your friends about the show as we all figure this out together. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Look through your children's eyes and you will discover the true magic of a forest. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. The NFL Podcast Network is your home for all things football. Do you love hearing analysis around the league with a touch of mirth? Or maybe you enjoy breaking down X's and O's in the college scouting scene. Do you breathe, sleep, and eat fantasy football? Perhaps you love the funny headlines that emerge each week. What if you want in-depth news coverage with reporters? Or what if you want to know exactly how each team got its name? Well, you're in luck because the NFL Podcast Network has a show for everybody. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.